Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by integrated PR software from Cision, by the easy to use farm builder FarmStack, by social audience analysis software Affinio, and by social media engagement software from Sprout Social. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as always, by my friend. He is the executive strategist at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is the man, the myth, the legend, my special Texas friend, the one, the only Mr. Adam Brown. Hello, Jay. Jay, I decided I had to emulate you uh, with your opening with my opening, I hope. I hope it wasn't too much of a good thing. No, it was fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm working on my vocal stylings because it is youth hockey season. And among the many things that I'm involved in, I am also the announcer for the Youth Hockey League here in Bloomington, Indiana. So uh, every uh, Sunday morning, I've been practicing on the Your Bloomington Blades, etc., etc. And I'm also in charge of music. So I've got uh, uh, a terrific Spotify playlist for all you kids out there called Hockey 2.0. You can uh, dial into my public Spotify playlist for all you hockey fans and parents out there. Well, I have I have one question for you, and that is, what is your team's kind of on the ice uh, song? Oh, that's easy. Uh, back in black, uh, ACDC. Okay. Back in black is always their warm up music. Uh, we always wear the black jerseys at home, which is uh, unusual. We always have to go to the visiting locker room and say, "Yes, you are wearing white on the road," which confuses them. So uh, that is our deal. Uh, it is always ACDC. Well, only, if only I could uh, guess begin to uh, to do some hockey uh, play by play. You can, here, you can, you can. Austin, Texas. We don't have that thing called ice. I lived in Pittsburgh for four years, so I got very familiar. And of course, I am a Pens fan. Will always be a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Um, Sid, Sid the kid is is no longer a kid, but he's still my my favorite. I forgot about I forgot about that because my son's uh, favorite player is very much uh, Sid the kid. In fact, he has a, a whole shrine uh, to Mr. Crosby uh, in his in his room and plays all Crosby gear. So I'll have to we'll have to do a show where where my son Ethan, uh, the uh, the sneaker impresario, is uh, the guest on Social Pros, and, and you and uh, you and he can can talk Penguins uh, hockey. I, I can't wait. Today we're not going to talk hockey, although maybe we are. We should talk hockey hair because that is its own its own subgenre. But I am pretty sure today's guest does not have any specific products for hockey hair. Although maybe maybe there's like mullet cream or something uh, that our friend, soon to be yours, Glenda Vacareno, who is the public relations and social media manager for Sexy Hair, she's joining us on the program today. Glenda, do you have some sort of mullet cream that we can use? No, I don't think we do, but we can definitely have some uh, styling products to get rid of that mullet. <laughs> okay, well, now I'm intrigued. What styling, what styling product would you use to de-mullet uh, a de-mullet. mullet? Other than um, the scissors. I would say, well, obviously scissors would probably be the best bet, but if you really, really need and want to have it, then we definitely have products to uh, make sure that you get that party in the back and business in the front look. Nice. I love it. Fantastic. Party in the back, business in the front. That, that's pretty much the uh, the whole idea of the Social Pros podcast, party in the back, business in the front. Uh, 
Glenda, tell us a, a little bit about Sexy Hair and, and the company and the products and how it's distributed. Well, Sexy Hair has been around since 1999. Um, it's a professional-only brand that is sold through um, salons and beauty retailers like Ulta and JCPenney salons. Um, it has more than 70 different types of products for hair care and hair styling. So we have quite a few products that um, we are very proud to have, like beautiful, colorful packaging. And the name of the product does exactly what it's meant to, to do. So if it's big, sexy hair, you know, you're going to get big, sexy hair. You're going to get volume. You're going to get, you know, that lift and height. If you want smooth hair, then we have a smooth, sexy hairline. So um, what, you, what you see is what you get, basically. So it's very easy, and it's distributed. Um, from us, it's distributed to um, distributors, uh, beauty distributors, and then salon owners and stylists can purchase it from there. And then consumers can actively get it from salons and Ulta's and JCPenney salons. So when you're working on, on social media, are, are you thinking that you're targeting salon owners and beauty professionals? Or are you targeting consumers who want to have big, sexy hair or, or sexy, smooth hair who you want to drive into their local salon to, to request the products? Well, actually, that's what makes my job challenging in the sense that what we post on our social media channels has to cater to both. Um, what we decided to do uh, a while ago is that we just wanted to make sure that our any type of image or any kind of information that we post on our social media channels empowers, inspires, and educates, whether that be a stylist, whether that be a consumer, whether that be a salon owner, or if distributors are following our social media channels, that they can utilize our different collateral material and, and our images and information to post for information for their followers as well. So it's it's a challenge, and it's also very fun to make our content digestible to everybody, not just one set or one group of people. Glenda, one of the things I think is fascinating is that on on your team, your social media assistant who helps you with all things social media is actually a, a hairstylist, is a professional hairstylist, which is not uh, a job skill that most social media professionals have. Uh, tell us about that. Um, we, we made a conscious decision uh, about a year ago that we wanted someone that is in the forefront of what's happening with hair trends. So we went out and we searched for a social media person that can do, and was actually a cosmetologist, and obviously that's really difficult to do. So we ended up just hiring a hairstylist and then training her on how to do all the social media things that we needed um, to do for our social media channels. And so that's worked out really, really well, and it makes it much easier for us to come back and, for example, if there is a red carpet event on a Sunday night, and we uh, want to get step-by-steps and, and, and how-tos quickly and turn them around really fast. Uh, we have a stylist in-house that comes in and actually takes care of them. And all we need is just the imagery and we, we can get it out the door faster. So for us, it, it makes sense to have someone that has that skill set um, in-house so that way we can turn around the, the information much quicker. You were mentioning earlier that that you want your social content to educate and and inform and inspire. Is is that different from what you were doing previously? Was it was it more sales and product oriented at at one point? Yes, it was. Um, obviously, 
our company wants to make sure that we are providing information that's going to generate sales. And for any social media manager, I think uh, having to find a way to justify or find a return on investment on what you're doing is very important. And so for a while, we wanted to make sure that we did generate sales through our social media channels. But obviously, it's very difficult to show that. And, and for us, it was just, it, it became an issue that the information wasn't coming out the way that people wanted to digest. And so they, obviously on social media, they don't want to be sold to necessarily. They, they want to be inspired. They want beautiful imagery. They want to see things that, that they can emulate, uh, at least in the beauty industry. And, and it's a highly creative um, environment. So we ended up just deciding a while ago that we just didn't want to push sales. So that that it would, if people wanted the products, that they would go out and purchase it at any of the different channels where, where it's available. And we just focused on empowering them by giving them the right tools and suggesting the right tools, for example, our products or the, the, the heat styling um, tools and inspiring them with beautiful imagery and, and providing the education. And that's the reason why we hired the hairstylist because we wanted that education portion to be there as well. Um, and once we started doing that, we saw a, a huge difference with our social media followers in all our various different platforms. And so I still cannot say for sure that it's generating sales here, but I know that people are engaging with us and people are looking at our content and liking our content and sharing our content, which for us now is one of the main focal points for our social media platforms. Speaking of platforms, which of the social platforms out there are the ones that make the most sense for sexy hair? If you're really into hair or you're a professional, what are the what are the social networks or social platforms that that resonate with them? I I, I suspect visual stuff like Instagram and Pinterest, but but I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, for us, Instagram is very important, but we have a very huge challenge in the sense that when we started our Instagram page. Um, the word sexy was not searchable at the time. And so we have the name sexy hair in our name. So we have the new word sexy. So it made it very difficult for us to be found because we weren't searchable. And time has passed and now that's no longer a, a challenge. So you can search any term with the word sexy in it and it will populate with the hashtag. But our name and our, and our platform or our page still doesn't show up, which makes it really difficult to grow our Instagram page. Um, so what we've done in-house is we look up the hashtag sexy hair, we start looking at root pump or all the different uh, products that we carry, and then if people use those hashtags, we go and we double tap the, the image and we, you know, we heart the image. And once people see that we exist in a way, they're like, oh my God, sexy hair is there, and then they follow us. So that's one of the platforms that we've really wanted to grow because it makes sense for us to be there. But because of that major hurdle, it's been much lower than we anticipated that it was going to be, but we continue moving forward and, and we've contacted them and try to go different ways to see if we can fix that, but it, we haven't actually been successful at it. So in the meantime, we find other ways to raise awareness that, we, that, we're, in, that we're there. And um, so far, we've done really well. Uh, obviously, Pinterest is really big for us as well. Um, actually, Facebook has been tremendous for us. People love to share the content. But I've noticed that for Facebook, we have a lot of 
stylists follow us, a lot of salon owners, um, distributors that follow us, and they share our content readily. So, And then when you go to Instagram, you have a lot of the consumers that are in that particular, um, that follow us. And so we can pretty much see a difference between who's following us on which platform, and we try to cater to each particular audience by providing them. I know that on Facebook, adding a little bit more detail on how to create that specific look mm -hmm. is going to generate more interest and engagement. While if I just put a very beautiful photo or if I, if I put a very interesting hairstyle or hair color, I don't necessarily have to include what exactly the step-by-steps are to create that look. Um, people will still love it. That, that is one of the most fascinating stories that we have ever heard on this podcast. Absolutely. Our yeah. name, our name includes the word "sexy." Therefore, nobody can find us on Instagram. Has nobody, got to yeah, be that. That just, I mean, it makes perfect sense, of course, when you say it. But I never ever thought about that until you said it. Uh, and and wow, you must be like of all the companies I could have worked for, I had to I had to pick the one that is that is prohibited from Instagram from being that, searched. That is hilarious. That you are able to find, and yeah. obviously, it makes oh a, it makes a huge difference because. When, even when I've gone to conferences and they're like, oh my God, sexy hair, I love you guys. And then they start searching for the word for sexy hair. Can't find they're, it. They're, they're, giving, they're showing me their phone and they're like, it's not showing up. I'm like, I know it's not showing up. Oh, wow. I know that. It's, it's um, the opposite of what so many brands, I think, have to deal with. Uh, when I was at Coke, we had the issue not just with Coke and cocaine, but, but also just you're the world's most recognized brand and people say, oh, it's the third door after the Coke machine. At Salesforce, mm -hmm. we have the same issue that our name is, and you have a lot of false positives, but you have the complete opposite issue. How fascinating. Right. And then also when you go and you search sexy hair as a hashtag, you get the most random of things that have nothing to do with our brand. So our name is great in the sense that it inserts us into the conversation of sexy hair, which is exactly what we provide. But at the same time, it inserts us in conversations that have nothing to do with the brand. So when we're trying to uh, generate the impressions for, let's say, for example, Instagram, we have to make sure that it's not calculating impressions on images that have nothing to do with our brand. Uh, absolutely. Well, I noticed that, that one of the hashtag campaigns you're running now isn't sexy hair and for the reasons you just articulated it's hashtag big hair is better uh, and you're having mm -hmm. some customers submit photos of of their of their big hair is that is that part of the rationale mm -hmm. there because you don't want to use the word sexy right because it, if we make our unique a unique hashtag it makes it easier for us to find the content yep um as opposed to putting us in the middle of a very you know it, there's just so many different conversations happening with the word sexy hair. It could be a teenager that just happened to have a great hair day that day, or it could be they can be talking about extension. So it it it, it puts us in where we want to be, but at the same time, the challenge is that there's just so many different conversations happening that it's really difficult to pinpoint which one has to do with our brand. One of the things I noticed, Glenda, that you've been doing is some like-to-buy campaigns on Instagram where people can like the mm -hmm. photos and then go to a gallery of photos and actually purchase uh, from that gallery. H how's that working for you, the sort of Instagram commerce side of things? Um, it's, it, it adds just another level of um, engagement for us, but it hasn't generated the sales that we thought it was going to do. However, it does drive people to our to our product pages 
and people get educated on our products. And I know that if you drive them to the products, they will purchase it. Uh, they have, they just I think what uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to see if we can generate more more sales through our online marketing or online store. But we've noticed that it hasn't really done that. But at the same time, we know from just talking to people online that they don't necessarily purchase it from us, but they will go to Old Town and purchase it, or they will go to their salon and ask for it. So it's it hasn't generated interest in purchasing from us, but it does generate the interest to purchase the product, which at the end of the day, that's what we want. Glenda, one of the things I love about, about this interview is the double entendres for what your products do, lift, height, big, are, are the same KPIs that you know, we try to hit in, in social media. So I think it's a, this is a first uh, in that regard. I think one of the things that fascinates me about kind of what you do there at Sexy Hair, Glenda, is that you manage public relations and social. So mm -hmm. I know in asking this question, you're going to be biased. But do you believe that social media as a tool and as a, as a communications and marketing channel is more about public relations or advertising? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, when I first actually got hired at Sexy Hair, I was, was hired as a public relations supervisor. And we happened to have these social media channels that we were reactive in posting things. And I'm, I took it upon myself to ask, our, our CEO, if I can take over uh, the communications aspect of our social media platforms, because in my background as a PR person, I've done political campaigns and I've worked with different customers and, and consumers, and I've done grassroots uh, campaigns as well. So to me, just being able to go out to the public and and talk and engage with them was an easy thing for me to do. So I figured I I take a shot at it. And from it, from there, it kind of stemmed from me becoming the public relations person to now being social media. Because I think if you're able to deliver a message in a very clear and concise way to uh, the people that are following us, that's exactly what we need. And um, I feel like now I'm not just doing public relations and I'm not just doing social media, but I'm also doing customer service. Because a lot of the times, the people that come, for example, Twitter, one of the major things that we get are tweets of people that are having issues with the products that they purchase. Sometimes they buy, let's say, for example, one of our amazing texturizing volumizing powders that give you instant volume is called Powder Play. They try to use it as a dry shampoo, which is definitely not what the product is. And so they go to Twitter and then they complain about it or they, uh, they, just, they, they just let us know that they're having this issue. And then for me to go back and, and educate them and say, okay, well, this is why it's not working and this is what it's meant to do. And, and even at, sometimes I, I'll even send them the right product so they can try it out. Um, so it feels like it is public relations. Social is just about being out in the public and being able to engage and be social. So it, it's, it's a tough question to ask, but I think it's a little bit of everything. No, I, I think I agree with you, and I think it's something that the, uh, the industries of, of public relations and advertising are, are wrestling with. Because I think, as you mentioned, what you're trying to do as Sexy Hair is really doing a lot of brand building, customer rapport, mm -hmm. and things like that. And certainly, obviously, we're all in business to sell more product and, and things right. like that. But it's, and I think an area that I'd love to hear your insights on too, that's probably adding even more complexity to that question 
is one of the things you mentioned that you're doing, which is doing paid inclusion. You're doing you know, post-boosting, you're doing mm -hmm. some pay-to-buy and things like that. How is the whole paid world kind of impacting what you're doing at, at Sexy Hair? And, and for those dollars that you may be spending on those paid activities, where is that budget coming from? Where are you cutting budget to, to spend on social? Um, well, for us, we, what we noticed is that when we, we had, when Facebook changed the algorithm, so then it became harder for our fans to like us and find us and, and engage with us. That was giving a very, very, very small budget to do um, a, a campaign to increase likes. And I started doing that, and I noticed a huge difference in the number of people that started following us. And we continue, and even it's been over, it's been almost two years since we've continued doing that campaign where we're, uh, we, we actually have increased, the, we actually increased the budget to actually have people see us and like us on Facebook. Um, but also, you, I, we have to keep in mind that the content that we produce has to be on par and it has to, it has to be the best that we can because I want to make sure that the people that like us, that stay with us. Um, so, and then also now we're, with, especially with Instagram, we're thinking of doing ads for Instagram because obviously people can't find us. So if they see an ad on Instagram that says sexy hair and they see a beautiful hairstyle, they're more likely to go, oh, well, I didn't know that they were on Instagram and they can click on it and then go to our page. So for us, being able to pay for advertising on social media platforms not only increases awareness for us, but also generates interest on some of the things that we're doing. I think a part of that kind of findability and also something that kind of lives somewhere in between advertising and public relations is, is using spokespeople, celebrity partnerships, endorsers, and other influencers. How, how is that fitting, uh, fitting into what you're doing in the social space as well as more the, the analog space at Sexy Hair? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that we definitely work, we work with influencers and bloggers and um, YouTube bloggers as well. Uh, it's worked in the past where we partnered with them for an event and they come and then they go through, like they have an experience with sexy hair and they come out of it knowing more about our product and be able to um, speak more, more about all the different things that our products do. Um, we have so many products that it just sometimes it becomes really difficult to figure out which one will work best for you. So when we have a blogger event, then we invite bloggers to come in and then we educate them on the different types of hairspray that we have because just for the big sexy hairline, we have five different types of hairspray. Um, and each one does a completely different thing. So when we invite these influencers and we partner with them, we also educate them on certain things about hair, which, at the, which they then take to their followers, and they're able to educate others, which they appreciate. So that's one of the things that I think for 2016, we want to make sure that we, um, we leave some budget so we can actually have the opportunity to have events where we can invite influencers to come in and, and have an experience with sexy hair and be able to learn more about our product and, and have a more personalized experience. And then also we need to find a way of kind of not just doing it for influencers, but having consumers have that experience, whether that's in the salon or maybe if they go to an Ulta and having a demo. Um, so for us, that's definitely having celebrities, uh, definitely having people that 
are out there and that have a following talk about our product is, is key. It sounds like one of the hallmarks of a lot of the content that you're creating, Glenda, is is around authenticity and, and genuineness. And I can I can assume that that's really important in this space. I mean, your products help people and, and how they look and even their inner confidence and, and how they, they mm -hmm. go about the day. How do you kind of keep that, that level of authenticity, whether you're working with spokespeople and, and celebrities or, again, trying to empower those stylists and the other kind of creative professionals in the field to be able to represent your products appropriately? I mean, at the end of the day, we just we want to build trust with our with people that follow us. They, I want them to see the content and know that it's coming, for example, from a hairstylist or it's coming from a source that, that they can trust. Um, our products are going to do exactly as they say. So if our customers trust us, they will trust the brand. And at the end of the day, that's, that's exactly what we want. Yeah, that's particularly well said. And I really love the the evolution of the brand from from more of the direct sales mentality to the education and the inspiration and, and all that. It's it's really uh, it's a great story. I, I'm really glad we had you on the show. I'm also glad, speaking of the show, uh, of the fantastic sponsors that we have on this podcast, which makes this podcast possible. The best marketing podcast in the land, according to the 2015 Content Marketing Awards. It's this show, Social Pros. Thanks, everybody. Woot. Thanks, everybody. Uh, this week's sponsors, uh, as always, are pals at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who, among other things, have the wisdom to employ Mr. Adam Brown. After you finish listening to uh, this episode with Glenda, you should go to convinceandconvert.com slash 27, convinceandconvert.com slash the number 27 to download for free, winning at social. Four steps to enhance your social media strategy. Free ebook from Adam and his team at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Great insights in there. You will benefit from it. If you listen to this show, you're going to like that ebook. I promise you, get it now for free. Also, this week, uh, sponsors of the show include my pals at Sprout Social. Uh, that's what I use for my own social media stuff on a day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, second to second basis. Uh, terrific new ebook from my friends at Sprout Social as well, which I was very happy to contribute to. It's called The Power of Your People, Employee Advocacy on Social. Uh, you probably know or at least have suspected that your employees are, in fact, uh, your best advocates. An employee on average has 846 connections on social. Add that together and you've got yourself an audience. Uh, learn how to do that well. Employee advocacy on social, hot topic for everybody. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash 28. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number 28. Thanks as always to Sprout Social. And this week, uh, the show is brought to you by our friends at Cision, uh, the leading software for public relations uh, professionals and in, in media. Uh, you need to go check out their free ebook called Listen, uh, Five Social Audiences Brands Cannot Afford to Ignore, all about how to do social listening well and aggressively beyond the basics. Uh, I also had the good fortune of contributing to that ebook along with Scott Stratton, Mark Schaefer, Jeff Bullis, uh, and Neil Schaefer. So an all-star cast of contributors to the uh, Big Cision Listen ebook. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash 45. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number 45. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Cision. Adam, back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Glenda, one of the things we like to do at this portion of the uh, the show, the B-block, if you will, uh, if we 
we use our old uh, television or radio uh, terminology here, is talk about your origin. Talk about how you kind of got to the role that you have right now at, at Sexy Hair Concepts. And you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that you started there at Sexy Hair Concepts as the public relations supervisor and then began to kind of move into, uh, into the social space and taking ownership and leadership of that. So let's kind of rewind a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how your, your kind of career has progressed and, and kind of what you think it took to get you to the, the fantastic role that you have today. Okay. Well, um, right after college, my first, my very first job was the public relations uh, specialist for a little chapter for the, of the American Red Cross. It was the American Red Cross Rio Hondo chapter that had, it was in charge of nine different cities here in LA County. Um, and I was a public relations specialist during the time that September 11th happened. And um, that, that was definitely a crash course on not just crisis communication, but reputation management, um, grassroots initiatives, and fundraising. So that gave working at the Red Cross, you're able to do a little bit of everything. So I was doing the publishing, I was doing writing, I was doing interviewing, I was doing uh, public relations, writing press releases and, and, and things like that. So that gave me this very solid um, kind of education about public relations. And after two years of working at the, at the Rio Hondo chapter, it was like a 30-mile track from where I lived, and it was about an hour and 15-minute commute each way. And so after two years of that, I, I just had to work a little bit closer to home, so I got a job at a peer agency. And at the time, they used to do lobbying, and they used to do... Um, uh, political campaigns, and they did. Uh, they had a lot of the, their clients were land developers, and so I got to work on grassroots initiatives and uh, again political campaigns and, and and lobbying and things like that. And from I did that for about seven years, and then during the housing crisis here in LA, or pretty much in the country, um, a lot of our clients were land developers, and so I was let go. I was laid off. And so it took about a year for me to find another job. And the job I ended up finding was here at Sexy Hair. Um, at the time, they were looking for the public relations supervisor. And they had had, I guess, a, a very bad experience with the person that had the, the job before I was here. And so the CEO actually interviewed me, which I, I've heard that that's not a very common experience. But I, I believe that all the different things I've learned are the different skills that I learned, not just at the nonprofit, but also at the agency helped me, give me the skill set that I needed to find a job in an industry where I wasn't even familiar with, which is, which is beauty. And once I started working here, all those different skill sets started to come into play, from writing press releases, to pitching, to talking to the public, to education, to grassroots initiatives. So. That's where my uh, background is in, and so that's why it's actually helped a lot for the current role that I have here. You know, one of the, the big differences in, in advertising and public relations is in advertising, you know, most of the actual writing, the copywriting, takes place from the copywriters and the other mm -hmm. parts of the organization, the media, the account executives, mm -hmm. even the creative directors aren't doing 
that is as much. And in public relations, as you said, almost everybody has some part of crafting the story, crafting the written word, whether it's a press release or a speech and the like. How do you think, Glenda, your, your skills that were, that were kind of curated and cultivated in public relations leads you to be a better social media professional? It helps in the sense that I'm able to find stories from conversations and engagement that I have with people. Um, one of the major things that I was able to do at the Red Cross at the time was I used to interview volunteers so I can write stories for the, not just for our newsletters but also to pitch our volunteers to the media. And that has had and doing a lot of the grassroots initiatives that I did at the agency has allowed me to have kind of an ease about interviewing people and, and really getting to know them better at it in a dip, deeper level, but doing it in a way where it doesn't require that much time per se, because on social you just don't have that much time to, to find that information. So it's, it's helped me in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's being able to find the stories on social media has definitely helped able to not just carrying the information that we want to post on our social media platforms, but also generating and creating the content in-house. Certainly in, in your industry, you know, everything, is, is, as you and Jay talked about before, is about visual. It's around imagery and photography, you know, and that's in some cases even more important than, than the written word as you're, as you're talking about uh, sexy hair concepts and, and your products. I'm going to ask you kind of an industry question, and this is, you know, as, as public relations, you know, as an industry is kind of realizing, hmm, okay, we've got to get into the visual content a little bit more. Um, and even just social in general is seeing that, you know, the, the, the engagement and the click-throughs come from that visual content. Uh, mm -hmm. are, you, are you seeing kind of the, the same thing? And are you, what are you trying to do to kind of ingratiate, ingratiate yourselves to your users with, uh, with that visual content? Absolutely. Um, with beauty being so creative, that's one of the things that the, the imagery has to be impactful. And a lot of the times, we utilize a lot of user-generated content because we have there's so many people out there that utilize our products to create the most amazing hairstyles and, and, and hair work that you know we're inspired about with their work as much as they're inspired with the work that we create in-house. Um, so we just, for example, for Instagram, that's one of the major things that we do is we want to make sure that the, the photos are very impactful for the simple reason that a lot of the time the people don't want to read a really long caption of what that hairstyle is about. So the storytelling has to be visual, and that's one of the things that we've had to learn and teach ourselves how to, how to find. So now if you look at our Instagram, for example, the pictures are very close up of the hair. We don't have collages of hair because it may, it, we found out that it just it was too difficult for people to go from one image to another to another. So we cleaned that up. It's just a close-up of the hair. It has to be impactful. It has to be really beautifully shot and lit. Um, so the storytelling has gone from, from me writing about it to us showing it and, and, and using imagery to, to com convey that that story and that story is whether a stunning looking hair color or a really 
voluminous hairstyle or maybe it's a, it's a vintage hairstyle that people love to Glenda, we're going to ask you the two questions that we ask all of the guests on the Social Pros podcast. 190-something guests. Are you ready for the questions? I'm ready. Bring it. Bring it, she says. Question number one. Uh, what one tip, other than having fantastic hair, would you give somebody who is looking to become a social pro? Well, I think the the biggest tip would probably be um, to always want to learn. Um, you, the minute that you feel that you you know everything is the minute that you're going to fail. With social media and just with PR or with marketing, things are constantly changing. So you have to be hungry to continue learning and asking people and and trying to learn new skills and and, and things like that. So you always just have that, that's the biggest thing for me is always want to learn what's next, what's out there, well, how I can do my job better, what can make my job easier. Any of those questions at any given time, it, it's great. No doubt. It was so great to see you at the Social Fresh Conference as well. Speaking of uh, of continuous mm-hmm. learning, love that event. A little plug for our friends at Social Fresh. Last question for you, Glenda Vaccarano, who is the head of social media and public relations for Sexy, Sexy Hair. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Oh, that's hard. Um, Well, I mean, working for Sexy Hair, I I would say one of the icons that we currently have as our celebrity ambassador is Marilyn Monroe. So being able to do that with her would be amazing. You could probably do that, can't you? I mean, you know, you're a head of public relations. I'm sure you could could sort that out, couldn't you? Can make, awesome really can make your dreams come true. Can make your dreams come true. There are a lot of things these days with holograms that you could. I do. know yeah. the two pack hologram yeah. I saw. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how do you? I mean, how do you do that? How do you? How do you get? How do you get a dead celebrity as a celebrity endorser? Do you just sort of cut a deal with their estate? Is that how that comes together? Well, I, I believe. Well, that's actually that's a, a question that that you could probably ask our VP of marketing. She's the one that handled that. But we went through um, the company that handles her estate and. Yeah. We were, we're very careful to make sure that we don't, we call her a celebrity ambassador, obviously, because yeah. for that reason that she's, um, she's an icon and she's really well-known worldwide and sexy hair is in, in various parts of the world. So she's very highly recognizable. So we figured, you know, one of, that's one of the best people that we can have to kind of represent our brand. Um, so that's, I, I believe that's one of the major reasons why she was used is because she had such iconic style and she's so world known worldwide. And we love her hair. I mean, her hair has been emulated many, many times and it will continue to be emulated many, many times moving forward. So, I said there was only two questions, but there's actually a third question in this very special episode of Social Pros. <laughs> Who has better hair, me or Adam Brown? Question. Oh, wow. um, I actually know the well, answer to this. I think, really? There's a distinct oh, well, answer. The answer is Adam Brown, for sure. Think so? Yes. Is, is it a volume thing? Is it, that is, it? it is a volume. It's texture. It's color. It's uh, uh, availability, I think, is, is one of the uh, prerequisites. Yeah. Although I think you, you, you do 
awesome style to your hair. So uh, thank I you. Know. I think you're distracted by the suit. Uh, is is what usually happens. <laughs> that's why that's why I get the big bold sport coat because then you don't have to pay attention to the hair. Well, you're very polished. I should, I would say. Thank you. I do my Good best. Job. I do my best. I appreciate <laughs> that very much. Look at this unsolicited testimonials from the guests. I love this job. Glenda, thank you so much for being on the show. You were fantastic. We loved uh, having you. Anybody out there who wants uh, big hair, smooth hair, wants a mullet, uh, anything you need out there, go uh, go look for sexy hair uh, at your local beauty supply place or ask your stylist uh, to order you some. You will be delighted. Adam, I know you're going to rush out and get yourself some sexy hair products as well. I'm on the site right now. Yes. Of course yeah. you are. Fantastic. Linda, you were great. Thanks. Uh, we've got a bunch of great guests coming up next week. It looks like um, the next two guests on the show are the one, the only David Meerman Scott, a digital marketing public relations legend and author speaker. David Meerman Scott is joining us. And also uh, Daniel Lemon um, from my team, Convince and Convert, whose new book, Manipurated, uh, is available for pre-order now. Comes out December 1st, all about the ratings and reviews industry and how local businesses in particular uh, can, can do great stuff in ratings and reviews and sort of the the truth of those uh, uh, of those sites, some of which is a little bit of a uh, inconvenient truth. So we'll have Daniel on the show talking about uh, the real story behind ratings and reviews. That's coming up soon on Social Pros. If you hadn't had a chance recently to leave us a little uh, rating or review on iTunes, we'd sure appreciate it if you did that. Adam would appreciate it. I would as well. Until next week, he is Adam Brown. I am Jay Bear. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Affinio, Sprout Social, Formstack, and Cision, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audio